listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Adam Wittenberg, who covers college football for us on ESPN.com. Adam, welcome to the Carlin Show. Oh, thanks for having me on. Adam, I don't know where to begin. <laughs> let me let me try this. Let, let me let me start as as the teacher in journalism school, right, with the story of the day, and that is Pac-12 postpones all sports through the end of the year, and the Big Ten nixes fall football. Were you surprised that these two uh, conferences made the decision? You know, not not really. I, you know, obviously there was some news in the Big Ten certainly on Monday with all the coaches speaking out and urging the league to wait on a decision to postpone. But you know, we reported to ESPN on Sat- uh, Sunday rather that the Big Ten presidents largely favored postponing and they were hoping to get the Pac-12 on board with them. And just knowing the history between those two leagues and how uh, aligned a lot of those, uh, those groups of presidents are, this is always the likeliest outcome. And certainly you're know, hearing from sources in the Pac-12 last night that they, they you know, barring a surprise, especially with their medical group briefing them earlier today, the presidents of the Pac-12, we're going to vote to postpone uh, the, the fall season and, and try to attempt something maybe in the spring. All right, so help me figure this out now. So we've got these two conferences out, but according to sources telling us the Big 12 is still targeting football, ACC and SEC say their plans remained unchanged. Nebraska wants to play. Adam, how does this work? How are we going to get a, a bowl season together when you've got some conferences playing and others not? Well, I think we first just have to get to the you know the the, the start of the theoretical seasons in in mid to late September. That's a long way off, and you know, even the leagues that are saying that they're going forward, you know, the Big Twelve tonight, uh, you know, sources saying that they, they they will go forward at this time with a plan to play this fall. But you know, they still have to get into your know, true training camp with with real contact practices. They still have to, in some many cases, repopulate their campuses to certain degrees. That's really starting this week as many students, regular students, are getting back to campus. And you know, a lot of those commissioners are still saying it's an if, it's not a definite. But to your point, if we have a season, then it's certainly going to be interesting to see what the College Football Playoff Committee does. Are they going to have a true playoff? I would assume that we'll have bowl games if we can get to uh, uh, that that time of year, December, without some major interruptions. Those are those are kind of down the road things. I think we're mm-hmm. still trying to figure out. You know, even though those leagues are committed for now, are they going to remain committed? You know, through September and obviously into the game season without some major interruptions or problems. Adam, in your reporting, as you talk to the various decision makers in these conferences and coaches and teams and ads and stuff like that. Uh, what are the challenges in trying to be as, because let's face it, football is not exactly a social distancing sport. What are the challenges in trying to keep these, these student athletes safe uh, and, and coaches and, and all the older members of their staff with this COVID-19 pandemic in a lot of the states that the numbers are going up? Right. Well, th- yeah, those are all valid points. And you know, certainly uh, you know, the testing element is, is going to be big and having the ability to test multiple times a week and you know, hopefully improve technology and testing. I think that was a big reason why the Big Ten and the Pac-12 chose to postpone. Uh, the Pac-12 even outlined that today, saying that the, you know, the rapid, reliable testing just isn't where it needs to be in order to feel comfortable having a contact and having everything that goes into a football season. So, you know, they're, they're going to have to be very careful in terms of how much interaction they're going to have with each other uh, on the field, 
off the field. I think all the coaches are going to be masked up and, 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 and being a very, very careful. I mean, I've had coaches tell me that they, they'll never meet with their full position groups for very long, especially without masks on, because uh, you know, if, if somebody gets COVID-19, everybody in that group will have to be quarantined. And that, that's one of the big challenges here because of the guidelines with contact tracing and quarantine. You, know, you, you could have a bunch of people who turn out to be negative for COVID-19, but, but can't be around for, for a week or two. And that's really, really tough. And I think that's why all of these leagues built in flexibility with their schedule models, even the Big Ten and Pac-12 before they postponed, anticipating interruptions, anticipating rescheduling of games. Because I, I think for anybody to assume that the teams are going to go through a season without any problems, you know, given the fact that we are in a pandemic, is, is very, very naive. Adam, what are the contingency plans? Is it going to depend by conference? Is it going to depend by team? Uh, What are you hearing about contingencies? If indeed, as you say, unfortunately, one or two players contract the virus, will there be a a group that's going to be hidden off somewhere, (laughs) much like uh, what what baseball is doing? Do they have an alternate site where they'll bring these players on? (laughs) Well, there's only a certain number of players. I mean, you don't have college teams with – three and 400 players and a JV roster. That's just not going to happen at this level. But I think, again, uh, at least when they're not on the field together and practicing, uh, they're going to be very careful about who's around whom and meetings and, uh, you know, really staying with the people that you live with and trying to interact with the, uh, with the general population at school as little as possible, even though that is impossible to completely avoid those types of interactions. And so, you know, again, these, these players have been working pretty hard at this. We've had some outbreaks already in college football. Some uh, teams are, have really handled it very well so far. But again, they haven't been in those contact practices at a high rate, and they certainly haven't faced another team. They haven't traveled. They haven't been in locker rooms very long. So there, there's just a lot of hurdles still to get through. And then when the games begin, how, how does it go at that point? And, you know, do you have interruptions? Can, 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 can a team go through the, the whole season without any problems? Th- those are all questions that are very much out there. Adam Wittenberg's my guest. He covers college football for us on ESPN.com. You're listening to Carlin, hardest in for Chris on 98.7 ESPN. Adam, earlier today on the Michael K. Show, former Giants tight end Howard Cross joined the show and said, really, in his opinion, that he believes that it's better for players, it's safer for them to be with their teams locked in, and they have a bit less of a chance to catch the COVID-19 virus than if, let's say, their conference you know, cancels, and now they're left to their own devices. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's been a popular, uh, you know, point, talking point here for, you know, coaches in college football, players, a a lot of people. And I I think there's some validity to it, but I don't, you know, in talking to administrators and even hearing some of the statements from those who ended up postponing in the Big Ten and Pac-12 today, I don't think necessarily these schools are going to abandon these players. Um, you know, in, in the spring, for instance, they're on campus. They're going through spring practice. They're still in school. They're still getting fed. They're still getting academic advising. They still have access to the facilities. That, to me, is not changing. Now, certainly uh, the, the fact that there isn't a season uh, this fall to prepare for could change the, the decision-making for some of these players, and they may decide they don't want to be around or, or what have you. But I, I don't think the schools are necessarily going to abandon them, and, and they're going to work and try to make a spring season uh, happen. Uh, whether that's in January, February, March. Uh, and, so, and so maybe that will be enough incentive. It, it's obviously a very tough day for all the players in the, in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And earlier this week, the Mountain West and 
the, the Mac. Uh, they, they've been preparing for a fall season. That's not going to happen. But I, I also think it, it's still possible, even though difficult, to uh, look ahead to some type of season in the spring. And I also think that, that at schools, at least at the highest level of college football, aren't going to be closing their doors to these players and, and saying, you can't be around anymore. Uh, you you, you got to fend for yourself. That's not how it works. Adam, what do you think the response has been from the folks that you've spoken to from the representative of the players of the All Power Five conferences? They had a statement out a couple of days ago on Twitter saying, you know, we all want to play full pro football this season, but they had a list of demands. And Adam, they're not in the NFL. They don't have a players union. So <laughs> what leverage do they have? Right, and that's an important point. I mean, the first group that came out was from the Pac-12, and they and they had a lot of different demands covering a lot of different areas, uh, you know, from safety around COVID-19 to some racial injustice initiatives to protections as far as eligibility and their scholarship. And then obviously they had a revenue component where they wanted a revenue split from the Pac-12. Now, they had leverage when there was a season. Now there's not a season in the Pac-12, at least for the fall. So how does that change things? And then you have the We Want to Play movement that really sparked over the weekend, was very powerful uh, on social media. Uh, you know, but, but some of those players now don't have a fall season. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with these empowerment movements from the players. I, I would hope that they continue to you know, you know, go forward and encourage dialogue. And so even if there isn't a formal union, at least have an association that has a seat at the table and truly has some say in, in some of these issues that they clearly matter to them. I think this is a very historic time, even if we don't have a college football season this fall, because players have never united like this and said, we, we demand better conditions in certain areas of our experience as players. That's a really important uh, thing that's going on. Adam, I'm going to ask you a tongue-in-cheek question. Ready? Let's are we it. going to hear from the NCAA on this? Will they have a ruling where, I mean, they are allegedly the governing body here. Why haven't we heard from them? Well, so they're Tongue not the governing body for college football at this level. Uh, you know, they, mm-hmm. and, and I, know, I, know, I know that a lot of people are upset that, to not hear more from uh, NCAA President Mark Emmert and, and others in Indianapolis. But, you know, the FBS is governed by the conferences, and that's mm-hmm. why it's been messy, and you've had some conferences that are going forward and some that aren't. And they're all listening to different medical groups, even though the NCAA does have a centralized uh, advisory uh, a panel of, of doctors that, 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 that's talked uh, many times throughout this pandemic. But you know, I think if everybody's uh, you know, waiting for Mark Emmert or, or someone in, in Indianapolis to, to make big decisions, th- there are some areas where they do have say as far as eligibility, uh, some, of the, uh, some of the rules around, around, the, around the programs. But again, th- th- this sport is not centralized, and that's a big reason why we are where we are. Uh, no, we're not waiting for anything from the NCAA, Adam. That, there's no question about that. Last thing for you, <laughs> last thing. Looking forward, what is going to happen to some of these players' uh, draft eligibility and their status scholarships? What what is? I know we're a long way from that, but what is some of the conversation as to okay, the students who are were, fall sports are canceled. Okay, their scholarship. What happens to the freshman class coming in and the senior class going out? Has there been any conversation about where that's going to go? That is going to be the, the biggest topic right now, especially for the leagues that have postponed and, and many in those conferences, coaches athletic directors are, are looking for some answers as far as eligibility. We should get some more clarity on that 
from the NCAA Division One Council that meets, uh, I believe, tomorrow. But I, I think as far as scholarships, all the scholarships are guaranteed uh, through through this uh, through this academic year. I think the key will be you know some of the eligibility of the incoming freshmen, uh, those who who lose a year of eligibility, are they able to get that back? How does that change the roster size? Are we going to be able to go beyond 85 scholarships? Now, I think if, if, if most or all of college football ends up playing a spring season, you're going to see uh, you know, major chunks of rosters uh, you know, just decide they're not going to do it, especially for uh, the higher-level programs because uh, the, all those players that are draft eligible, there's almost no incentive for them to play a spring season with the NFL draft right around the corner. So that, that's a, another layer of this that needs to be worked out. Again, the spring all along was seen as the last resort. Now it's the only resort for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and some of these other conferences, and it could be very soon for, for the rest of college football. And then Wittenberg, continue the great work you do on ESPN.com. We'll be reading you, and we'll be talking to you soon because I think you're going to be busy. <laughs> it sounds good. I'm happy to come talk with you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. Adam Wittenberg, college football reporter, analyst for ESPN.com, weighing in on – What's going forward in college football? I tell you, it, it is as confusing a scenario as you can imagine right now. And you've got some conferences not going, some conferences playing, and they haven't even started, you know, getting the teams together and working out officially and, and doing things yet. And, you know, normally the season would start like at the end of the month. And why did they wait so long to make these decisions? Obviously, you're trying to wait and get as much information and find out what's going on with the COVID-19 virus, but... College football right now is just crazy. We'll keep an eye out for you. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.